Welcome to the Northern Echoes. You are my borough with myself, Dom Shaw and Scott Wilson, who managed to squeeze out of probably the tightest press box in the championship. Is it, Scott, at Kenilworth it's a, Road? It's a throwback, Kenilworth Road. I think I said before the game, you don't want to be too disparaging because it takes all sorts. But my my thought down there is how on earth are they going to turn this into a Premier League stadium if they get up? It, um, it, reminded, it reminds me a lot of Bootham Crescent at York, which kind of tells you all you probably need to know about where we're at in terms of readiness to air horse Premier League football there. It's, um, I mean, yeah, anyone who's been to Luton, it's a remarkable, you know, it's a proper old, decrepit ground in the middle of Terracehausen. Um, you know, no kind of partner, anything around it. Um, and then once you're in there, wooden, you know, wooden seats, some of the seats are still those kind of bench seats like you used to get Wem the old Wembley. It's, um, it's remarkable, really, yeah. Hope, hopefully it won't come to the... Hopefully it won't come to that. They exactly. need to upgrade yeah. in the summer, yeah, but they, they yeah. would have They are building a new ground, to be fair to them. Um, but I don't think... It's, well, it's definitely not going to be ready next season, and I'm not even sure it's going to be ready the season after that. So they were kind of saying last night, if they do go up, they're going to have to make, you know, a whole raft of improvements to it, which I don't really think they want to do, because obviously it's going to get knocked down in two or three years' time. But I guess it's a problem they hope they're going to have. We'll have a chat about the the, the injury picture, um, which uh, Michael Carrick said a little bit more about after the game at Luton. Um, we'll we'll talk about some of the talking points to come from from the game and ahead of uh, next week's trip to, to Rotherham, the penultimate game of the season. Thanks as ever for watching along or listening. If you if you're listening to this on podcasts, please remember to to like and subscribe and get in touch if there's anything you want us to to have a chat about. Um, we'll start on on last night, Scott. Like we said, you were there. Um, General reaction, first things first. I mean, in terms of the result, it was greeted by a collective shrug of the shoulders, really. But I, I, yeah. thought, Borough, I thought Borough played really, really well. No, I, I completely agree. I think that when you throw in everything that was kind of going on... I mean, listen, the result of that game is an irrelevance, really, isn't it? Borough were never going to catch Sheffield United. Um, they're going to finish third or fourth. Or, you know, all things being equal now, probably fourth. The difference between third and fourth means nothing. Um, you know, they're going to be at home with the second leg. So the, so the game, the, the result was always going to be in irrelevance. With that in mind, when, when Michael Carrick's team section came through, it wasn't a huge surprise. It was probably a surprise how many changes there were and the fact that obviously Akpom and Hackney were both on the bench as well and you probably suspected that they, were, they weren't going to come on as probably the case. So the scale of the changes may be a surprise. The fact that he made changes, not a surprise. Um, but then from that point on, I actually thought Borough played really well. Um, I thought there were so many positives to come out of it. I mean, you know, we can probably get into the nitty-gritty of it, but but Housen at centre-half, I thought, was superb. Um, a game that, the way it panned out, probably suited him in that I thought I thought Luton were really disappointing, very one-dimensional. At no stage did they really get at Borough and build up ahead of steam, so that probably suited Housen. But, you know, just his comfort in possession and his ability to to get the ball rolling out of defence. Um, he kind of looks like almost the modern centre-half in a lot of ways. You know, he, he certainly didn't look out of place there. So I thought, I thought that was a real positive. thought Barleza and um, Moet together in centre midfield, I thought they both had good games. Jones looked bright and back on it again. Um, probably the one who didn't quite step up was Bowler. I thought he started quite brightly, but then I thought he dropped out the game. Um, a fair bit in the second half. Uh, but I thought Borough were the better side for most that game. They certainly played the better football. Um, you know, and then obviously they get undone by 
you know, a set piece where probably they didn't cover themselves in glory, how they tried to defend it. And then a hugely controversial penalty that I think 99% of people watching would say shouldn't have been a penalty. So if that's the best that a full-strength Luton have to offer, then if Borough are going to end up playing them in a, in a playoff final, assuming Borough are somewhere closer to full strength, which you'd like to think they would be by then, then, I, you know, I, I think all the signs last night suggest that Borough would have nothing to fear. But, you know, yeah, there's a lot of football to be played between now and then. But generally, I thought really positive. Yeah, the, the penalty shout. I mean, it, it it wasn't a penalty, was it? End of. And, um, no, the only thing I would say, in fairness to the referee, is we're, you know, we're obviously in the press box. It's a fair way away. And it's one of those grounds where there's still wooden poles, metal posts. So it was, it was a, even in the press box, it wasn't, you know, it was a kind of disrupted view. But on first, on first glimpse, I thought it was a penalty. Um, because you couldn't really see the extent to which Stefan pulled out of it. So I thought in live time it was a penalty. And it's but then I guess but the, when you the start obvious seeing the replays. There, yeah, and the obvious thing there is, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to do a million and one things in a press box yeah. with, with a view... Yeah. With a disrupted view, and you're not a Premier League referee, whereas you've got that's a, that's a very, very fair point. Um, who's on the spot? Um, and, and then the more you watch it back on the on the on the replays, the worse it becomes, really, doesn't it? I mean, Stefan, to be fair to him, could my first reaction was, "What's Stefan doing there?" Because it looked like he kind of half pulled out, but then gone through with it. And as I say, it's only when you watch it back, he, he couldn't have he couldn't have done anything more to try and make it not, obvious not that he make wasn't made a challenge. Yeah, exactly. And, and yet he's still been undone. So. Um, no, it's a really bad decision. Um, you know, as Michael Carrick said at the end of the game, the only good thing is you can have a bit of a laugh about it because it it, it's not going to do any damage to Burra. But obviously, you know, in a, in a different scenario, it, it could have been really costly. It was a bad decision. Yeah, Rob Edwards has said that that from the angle he's seen, he can see contact. And I'm, I'm thinking when I'm reading that, he, he must be the only person who's seen this angle because there was um, there was there was kind of no showing of that after the game. Not at all. And like I say, the, the more you watch it back, the worse it becomes, really. You you touched on it there, kind of the borough, um, the, the, you'd have nothing to fear coming up against Luton again in the playoffs. My kind of, my kind of feeling at full time was, despite defeat, Borough's confidence might well have grown going into the playoffs because like you said there, they're going to be thinking, well, we should have won tonight. We'd at yeah. least have drawn if we weren't undone by a terrible decision. We had our best striker out. We had our key midfielder out. We had players playing in positions they haven't played this season. Yeah. Barlays are making only a second start. You could go on and on. Um, will, will that play on Luton's mind? I know they've won, but will they come away? Um, from, you know, I'm not necessarily sure it'll play on their mind because, like you say, at the end of the day, they did win the game. Um, and and to be fair to them, they've got bigger fish to fry as well. So while they were playing a full strength team, what you know, where were their motivation levels at in terms of going 100 percent for the game? I'm not sure. So I'm not sure Luton will necessarily be knocked by that. But I I, I do agree with you that I think it's got to bolster Borough's confidence. And the other thing as well is, which I'm sure we'll get to in a minute, you know, we're not quite sure exactly who's going to be available for these playoff semi-finals. So I think the other thing that it did do was it, 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 you know, I'm not necessarily sure Michael Carrick would have needed convincing, but if he did, then I think he'll be looking at it and thinking, well, if I have to play a Barlazer or a Moat or a Jones or a Dyke Steel in a playoff semi-final, I'm sure he doesn't want to have to play six or seven of them, as was the case last night. But if he has to make an odd change like that, they've, they've shown they're more than capable of doing it and they're ready as well. You know, they're, 
they all look match sharp. That was the other big positive last night. It wasn't like you're looking at them thinking, well, yeah, he looks like a player who's barely kicked a ball in the second half of the season. So, you know, I think that no matter what side Borough have to end up putting out for these two playoff semi-finals, they should be bang on it. I, th- I thought it was credit to Carrick and the coaching staff, really, that, that he have in, with such a, a, a different team, you know, a much-changed side, the, the way Borough were playing, you, you mm. wouldn't have been able to tell. If you'd have just been dropped in and, and you didn't know who was playing, but you were watching Borough, you, then, you know, they, they were they played with the same style and approach. Style, yeah. I mean, there was five or six passing moves yeah. that went on for one or two minutes where yeah, Borough yeah. were kind of sweeping from one end of the pitch to the other that, that like you say, you know, were as good as good as kind of anything they've strung together all season, really. Um, and, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's, it's shown that, what what he's instilling into this group of players on the training ground is so well ingrained now that you can you can change players around, you can tweak the system, you can you know have a completely new look back four, and yet the football and principles are remaining the same, and that's got to be hugely positive. Um, Carrick said a few times this season when we've asked him about Tuba that there's there's nothing really to say that hasn't already been said. It, ridiculously it kind of feels like it's already getting to that stage with Cameron Archer I, d- I don't know what yeah. we can talk about here that we haven't talked about in the last few Not weeks already but it feels like he needs mentioning um, yeah I took his goal really well didn't he I mean it's yeah, a brilliant ball from Crooks um we, we were kind of right behind it and the way he floated it over it was a brilliant pass um but there's still an awful lot for Archer to do and obviously he gets there ahead of the keeper and even then he's got to show the little bit of composure to kind of steady himself, come back inside and, and roll the, the, the ball home. So, um, yeah, brilliant goal. And he, I thought he led the line really well all night as well. You know, um, he's a massive threat, isn't he? he? He just looks pretty much the finished article, which, you know, um, credit to him, credit to Villa, but also credit to Borough for actually being able to get him as they did so early in January and, and beat pretty much every other club in the championship who were wanting him. You know, um, I think I've said on the pod before, haven't I, that, that we've watched Ellis Sims and we've watched Joe Gelhart at Sunderland this season, who are strikers at broadly the same kind of level of their um, stage of their career rather than Archer. I'd have Archer well ahead of both of those in terms of being ready to, to lead the line regularly for a Premier League team. You've done a piece today on his uh, Tuesday on his, on his goal scoring ratio, and it's yeah. quite something, really, isn't it? Especially when you consider he's coming into a team halfway through. Halfway through, well, that's it. I mean, he's he's not that far behind Tuba now. Admittedly, you know, Tuba's ratio is is much better in the second half of the season than it was in the first. You know, over the last kind of twenty games or so, Tuba's pretty much a goal a game, really, which is remarkable. But Cameron Archer's better than a goal every two games, which, as you say, for a striker who's joined a club midway through a season and you know, doesn't have a lot of experience anywhere, really. I know he's obviously had those loan spells before, but doesn't have um, the Preston spell, doesn't have a lot of experience. Um, you know, he, he's he's really hit the hit the ground running and he just he just looks so confident, which is what you want in a young striker uh, like that, isn't it? You know what I mean? He, he's pretty fearless. He clearly feels at the minute every time he goes out on the pitch, he's going to score and, and Burr are reaping the rewards from that. I like he's got a bit of niggle about him, which I like. Yeah. It's that one where he went shoulder to shoulder with it might have been um I forget the name of the midfielder who came on. Um anyway, he went shoulder to shoulder. Then there was one where he kind of snapped into a tackle from behind in the second yeah. half as well. He's, he's got not a, he's not afraid him. to put himself about, is he? No, no absolutely. No. Um I, I I just think he looks, you know, a, a little bit of arrogance, but confidence more than anything yeah. else. Yeah. He looks like yeah. a player who thinks that and he carries it to me every time he gets the ball in the final third yeah for, for all the positives then um 
the, the negatives are the, the injury list, which which yeah. doesn't really show any sign of, of easing immediately, although Carrick does have a good poker face, doesn't he, when it comes when it comes to this. But what what's the latest? Yeah, so he, I mean he does, and and you know, he's I don't think he's ever gonna name names and, and be that explicit about it, but but he did undoubtedly last night for the first time go that little bit further in in um I think I think he initially said something in his tease interview, which obviously we don't hear until afterwards. But then he came in to do the written press stuff with us, and um, I, I said to him, "Look, you know, what's the situation here? Do do you think that you will have all of these players available for the playoffs?" And and for the first time, he explicitly said, "No, that won't happen. We won't have all the players back for the playoffs." Now, does he just mean the semi-finals? How many? That that will come out in the wash, but. I think what's clear is there's at least one, maybe two of the six that were missing last night that that he he's working on the assumption that they're not going to play any part in the playoffs. Um, it's a bit of a guessing game, isn't it? Um, I was going to say, is there any indication as to as not to... not really? I mean, my my guess would be that the three that they're most worried about would be Smith, McGree, um, Fry. And Fry, yeah, just because of the nature of the injuries. Yeah. McGree, ankle, could it be ligaments? We don't know. They're not saying that. Um, but if it is, then he would definitely be out of the playoffs. But even so, whatever ankle issue it is, it's going to put him touch and go at best, I would have thought. Um, Smith just looked a bad one, didn't it? And the fact he was kind of straight off with scans, yeah. ribs. Yeah, I mean, that, you know... If there's if there's fractures there, then that would be him out of it. So that's obviously a worry. And then Fry is just the fact that it's kind of such a long running one now that you know they're being really coy and they've been really coy about it from the start suggests that there's something well, there's got to be something fairly serious there anyway, hasn't there? Just for the amount of time that he's been out. Of the other ones, force just seems more like an accumulation of little niggles and knocks and things. I suspect he'll be all right. Um Ramsey seems to have been saying on social media that he's, you know, pretty confident he'll be all right for the playoffs. Everything I hear suggests that that's not as serious as it may be looked at the time. So hopefully that will be all right. And then McNair is another one that's a little bit of a mystery, but seems to have more chance of getting back than Fry. Um, I mean, you know, there's a degree of guesswork going on there, but um, that, that would be my take on it at the moment. Yeah, Michael Carrick's doing his press on on Friday again this week with it being a yeah, Rotherham, so. yeah. So we'll obviously find out more there. Um, now we, we haven't. This is our first one, uh, our first video, our first pod since the whole game because obviously we had Massimo on at the at the end yes. of last week, didn't we? Um, we did. So we haven't. We talked about Isaiah Jones's return against Norwich, but he's kicked on since. Um, you know, he was brilliant from the bench against Hull. He started against Luton and Anthony Dykesteel too, who I thought was was really assured and yeah, looking for the goal last night because there was a bit of. Uh, you know, tactical blocking going on Checking in the box off, yeah, when, yeah. when the corner came on. Um, I mean, that's no, that's not a bad reserve second string right side no. to have in your locker, is it? No, absolutely, absolutely. And and you know, it, um, it seems like that right side is probably the the um, the one where the biggest worries are at the moment. With Smith out, force question marks, McGree and, and Ramsey who could play over that side as well. And and like you say, I mean, you know that. There's an argument that 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 a fully fit and focused and firing Isaiah Jones starts ahead of all of them anyway on on the evidence and, of and know, the last season and and you could make the yeah you could make the case with Dyke Steele as well so um so no you know I think that I think that that's a um 
I think that that's an area of the pitch that no matter who is in or out there, I wouldn't be too worried about it. I think as long as you get one of McGree or Ramsey back, that's okay. The worry for all that I thought Housen did great last night is probably centre-half. If McNair and Fry were both to be ruled out of the whole of the playoffs and, you, and your only option is is a Johnny Housen there, then, then that's... You know, for all that he did brilliantly last night, and I, and I think he can definitely do a job at centre-half, would you want him to have to do it in all three playoff games? And then where on earth do you go from there if one of him or Lenehan then picked up a problem within the playoffs? That that would be the big worry, I think. You know, it, they definitely would want one of McNair or Fry back, wouldn't they? Because I think I think it's it's the double whammy, isn't it, of, of Housen, uh, uh, so assured at centre-half, but, but he isn't a defender. And it's a yeah. different... It's a different ball game if you have, um, I don't know. Say you're playing Sunderland and you've got Ahmad Diallo, yeah. and, and 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 not yeah. necessarily, not necessarily with with Housen in defence, but what you're missing with him, with with him not being in midfield. I think that's the yeah. thing, isn't it? Now I know Mauer's come in and done a good job, but but he's not Johnny Housen. There aren't many what? in the Championship who are, are they? You know, no, absolutely. And I, and I think the other thing is that you know while while House had kind of ended up there for a little bit, hadn't he, at the end of the whole game, it, it wasn't it wasn't obvious that that was going to be how Borough were going to set up last night. So for all no. that Luton might have had a little inkling that it might have been, they couldn't really set Prepare up a game plan around the fact that Johnny House was at centre-half. Now, if House plays at centre-half in the next two games and there's no indication that Munera or Fry are anywhere near, then clearly, if you're the team going up against Borough in the playoffs, you're identifying that as a potential area that you can really look to exploit, aren't you, if you know in advance that that's what you're going to be up against? Um, the the playoffs then, we, we every week we have our chinwag about go. who's Who's going to get in and who you want I to think, play? I think we're going to get in. I don't think we'll finish top two. <laughs> <laughs> so this we're recording here before Blackburn play Burnley on, on Tuesday. This might well have gone yes. out. You might well be watching afterwards. So um, the, the, the landscape might have changed ever so slightly. Sunderland beat West Brom to climb to sixth on, uh, on Sunday. Really Coventry won to climb yes. to fifth. Um, Watford are out of it now. Chris Wilder's Watford have had yes. a shocker, haven't they? Um, but Swansea are suddenly, suddenly in the in picture. The yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, Millwall obviously wobble, wobbling badly, but are still there. It's fascinating, isn't it? It's absolutely, you know, it's wide open. I mean, like I say, all things being equal, let you know we're we're doing this before the the Burnley game, but. Um, Burnley one, Sheffield United two, Luton three, Middlesbrough four. Now looks pretty nailed on, doesn't it? It's who's going to be five and six, and who are Borough going to be facing in that semi-final? Um, I mean, we've we've it, we've we've kind of talked about it. Then we've said it looks like it's off the equation. Then, it, but clearly the one that is exercising all Borough fans' thoughts at the minute is Sunderland, either in a semi-final or a final, um, just because that would be some event, wouldn't it? It, it? Everything that went around it, you know, two, two, if it was a semi-final and you've got Sun, um, Borough going to the Stadium of Light, then Sunderland coming back to the Riverside. I mean, those two games would just be, you know, ridiculously good atmospheres and just crazy. But then, but then you think, well, what about a Wembley meeting and 30,000, 40,000 of each Trafalgar Square the night before London and the, the, the day of the game? And then it's it's even exacerbated by the fact that now it's been absolutely confirmed. You've got the final on the Saturday at 4.45. Say, 
And then on the Sunday, a Newcastle are at Chelsea for their last game of the Premier League season, potentially getting in the Champions League. So they have about 10,000 Newcastle down as well. So, I mean, let's see how it plays out. But if, if any of those scenarios came to pass, it would, you know, from a... I'd be interested to know what diehard Borough fans would think about it. From a, from a journalistic point of view, I think it would be amazing. You know, it would be extraordinary. You know, a Northeast playoff semi-final or final would just be everything around it would be great. Would you want that as a fan? I don't I don't know. I don't know. It's it, it it's it's I mean it's an awful word, isn't it? But it's it's a narrative, isn't it? And that's the it, thing. Yeah. Kind of, it, it's that extra yeah. layer. It's that extra yeah. layer of almost would you want the opportunity to go down to Wembley and beat Sunderland and get promoted? Or would the thought of potentially going down there and losing to them mean you'd just rather be playing Coventry in a final that was just a norm, you know, normal run-of-the-mill fight. I don't know. It's an interesting one. It's funny because it it's felt like, you know, for, for, for months probably, probably since Borough lost there in, in January, I think it was January, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, it's felt like, you know, just imagine if. Whereas you, you looked at the table at the weekend. I mean, Sunderland are unbeaten in seven now. They've timed their run to perfection. They've got Watford yeah. at home on Saturday and then they're at Preston on the final day. But you looked at the table at the weekend and, and thought, you know, by God, this this could happen. Um yeah. this this, you know, it, it's not a probability yet, but it's certainly no, nudging on from being likelihood significantly <laughs> just in the space of a week. Now, in another week, you know, if if um if Blackburn were to win on Tuesday night tonight, and if um Sunderland then go and lose at Watford at the weekend, the, the you know the picture's completely changed again, but it's there at the minute, isn't it? And and to be fair to Sunderland, I mean, you know, I was I've obviously been writing pieces um in the last 24 hours about Burroughs injury issues and stuff and kind of tweeting them out and everything. And Sunderland fans have been kind of bombarding it by saying, Oh, heart bleeds for Burrow. You know, we we've had half a team out pretty much the entire season. To be fair, then they have. I mean, you look at the number of players they had out last weekend. I know you you did the game at West Brom, didn't you? But I mean that result for them with the team they put out, they, they, they've got on some kind of role. So strip everything else out of it, just from a purely footballing point of view, I'm not sure that Borough would massively want to face Sunderland at the minute because they're the team who, over the last month who have, you know, really had the wind in their sails. Probably and them said, in Coventry, but... Yeah. You know, yeah and you, and you, are they unbeaten in seven? Unbeaten in seven, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and you'd say they're about injuries, and, and this is going to be a factor going into the playoffs because Borough do have their have their problems. But you mentioned there, Sunderland are without their captain, the centre forward. They don't have any fit centre halves. You could go on and on. But yeah. West Brom also, have, I mean, they've lost DK, who's the latest yeah. in a long, long list yeah. of players to lose, and and yeah. and they've kind of faltered. Norwich as well, and Norwich, you know, we saw the state of Norwich's defence when they were here, and they've faltered yeah. as well. It it still feels like there's an element of, um, and Sunderland and, and Coventry obviously are in form, but it still feels like there's a possibility that someone might almost fall into the playoffs. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. if, if Blackburn, if Blackburn were to get a couple of results, they'd go in, but they're not going to go in with any real momentum. And you do, um, you know, I know, I know, we kind of probably, uh, you know, are we putting something there that's not really there? But you, you do wonder if all of these late season injuries are in any way related to the fact that the World Cup obviously break was there and it's concertinaed the first half of the season and the second half of the season that. 
that you know um that these that, that, that because the the uh unlike the Premier League that, that's obviously stretched the season out by pretty much a month nearly the championships ending when it would have ended anyway so um you know there has been there has been a real concertina and obviously is that a factor maybe maybe although obviously um you know I, maybe it's just the fact that come the end of the season any season clubs uh, their, their injury lists are mounting because that's just the way it works in the championship every year you just don't necessarily notice it when you're not bang up there with something to play for and still and and, and on the back of i know this sounds ridiculous but the COVID seasons, it feels like the, the whole fixture calendar has been playing catch up for a couple of years. So there hasn't yeah. been there hasn't been what you'd class a normal, kind of normal, normal break, season oh, absolutely. for three yeah. or four years now. Yeah, um, but it, it does feel like, like you said, there's, there's a lot of clubs that seem to be, they will got a lot of injuries all at once. And obviously Borough mm. are one of them, having really yeah. not had any for the whole of the season to a large extent. Team selection then, but to wrap up, Rotherham on, on Monday, Coventry yeah. the final day, another Monday. Um, yeah. What What do you think he'll do? Is that an indication as to things? Or, or, or might because you've got the you know you've got Rotherham on Monday, then you've got the yeah. possibility that you you might well be playing Coventry three games in a row, depending a row. on how the yeah will, yeah that's will, I mean that's an interesting dynamic, isn't it? I, I I think that in, I think that for Rotherham on Monday it will be largely what we saw last night. It, I think Akpom and Hackney will both come back and play. Yeah, I, I think so. He's not going to rest them for three games in a row. Um, I don't see any likelihood of him rushing, you know, bringing back any of the six who are out unless he's absolutely confident. Now, Coventry on the last day is a little bit different because you've got a few players. Let's say that Dale was to suddenly become available. You clearly want to get him a game because it's been so long since he played. Um someone like Ramsey, all right, you know, he hasn't been out for a long time, but he's a young lad. He had been getting some momentum up. I think you'd want to play him. So I think that it, I think that the injured players coming back, I think we'll see them probably against Coventry if they're anywhere like. I think the Rotherham game is probably another one where he's going to massively err on the side of caution. And if it has to be a team pretty much like we saw last night, just with Akpom and Hackney restored, that might very well be what we get. Before we wrap up, yeah, I I think the Coventry game, um, because I think there was an element last night of obviously kind of resting players, but I think there was also an element of, well, well, we're not going to give you the perfect kind of front row scouting opportunity. And and, and depending on how the table looks, I think there's an opportunity that, a chance that that'll be the case again on the final day. If I, I think he's more likely to go closer to full strength for the Rotherham game Rotherham. than he is than he is the Coventry game. Um, Maybe I just the only the only. But then, but then there's the dynamic if you don't want to lose to Coventry before playing yeah, the game, and, and you're at, and you're at home, yeah. and it's the last. I know I know there's a semi final to come, but it's the last home game of the regular season. You imagine it'll be a pretty big Riverside crowd. It'll be a good mood. You know, like you say, do you I mean, really I think, want that to fall absolutely flat and then and then head into the playoffs on the back up. of that one week later? But I think what we saw last night was um, even if he does have to, have to play yeah. a, a slightly different team, he'd still back, he'd still back that he'd, team. He'd still get a performance. Well, that's, a, that's a fair point. That's a fair then point. Then there's, the the, there's the other kind of, and I know, you know, Borough have earned the right to do this, but Rotherham are fighting for the life still at the bottom of the league. Yeah. Coventry might well. So yeah. there might well be that yeah. element of Carrick not wanting to, 
Yeah. But again, he's, he's talked again and again about trusting his team, hasn't he? And trusting his well, squad. Well, I'd be surprised if we saw players being rested in the way that Akpom and Hackney were last night. I just, like I say, I, I don't see why he would take any kind of a risks with the six that have been out, unless it's someone like a Fry, where you think, well, we need to get a game into him before the playoffs. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think he'll. I don't think when I said like closest to full strength, I mean those who are available. Obviously, yeah. I don't think he'll. I don't think he'll take any risks with, um, with with getting them right. It's such yeah. a balancing act, isn't it? Because you want them fit for the playoffs, but then. Equally, it's a dangerous game them them coming back in, say, for a playoff game, having not played in five played, six, exactly. Eight. Yeah, that's that's the thing, you know what I mean? In an it's, ideal world, you want to give them a run out, don't you, at some stage? Yeah, I mean, when, when we get to the semi-finals, even you know, I, I think by all 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 soundings, McGree is probably one of the ones who's not gonna make it. But if he was to be, he wouldn't have kicked the ball for the best part of two months, nearly. You, you, by the time we get the playoffs, you know what I mean? So it, yeah, it will be a it will be a balance act. It'll be interesting to see what what he does. Takes me back to Patrick Bamford hobbling around the Wembley oh. pitch, and that. <laughs> you remember that? Yeah, um, that, I mean that was a that was a real Willie or Warnty for two months leading. I mean, and to be fair, he hadn't been right, had he? For no, but then he's the championship. Everybody kind of knew that, that he wasn't yeah. right, but you know, I, I guess. That was that's the judgment call. How important is that player to your team? And I or clearly decided come hell or high water, Bamford was going to be the kind of one he was going to hang his hat on, didn't he? And it, obviously it didn't work out. Um Bamford was player of the year in the championship that season. Obviously, Tuba won that award yeah. on, on Sunday night at the EFL yeah. Awards. Um the MFC uh, Foundation also won um the diversity, diversity award, award, yeah, which for their fantastic. work for their dementia project work, yeah. which which I know from speaking to those involved has, has had a huge impact in the in the community and, and does a lot of incredible work. So congratulations to all concerned there. Hayden yeah, Hackney absolutely. just missed out to Alex Scott for the Young Player Award. Michael yes. Carrick to Vincent Company. Vincent, I, mean, I think we, I, I mean, to no be fair, there, it's not exactly the same we called it because it wasn't exactly the hardest thing to call. But I, I think <laughs> when, the, when the nominations came out, we said, well, Company will win it and ACPOM should win it. So um, I don't think you can argue with either of those, can you? No, no, and um, I mean, I haven't seen a lot of Bristol City, but Alex Scott got rave reviews, hasn't he? Although I'd seen Ahmad Diallo didn't seem too impressed. The Sunderland player who was also yeah. tweeted words to the effect of who or, or, or something <laughs> like that. Dearie me. Yeah, that, that'll, come back, yeah, that'll come back and bite you at some stage. It really yeah, will. Hayden Hackney was a, was a little more respectful. Um, yes, but yes, yeah, exactly. Congratulations exactly. To, to all winners and all nominees. Um, and we'll be back yeah. later this week having a look ahead to, to the game at Rotherham. Um, yes. If there's anything you want that's to you, That's on. you heading there, isn't it? New York, New York. Yeah, yeah. Press conference on Friday. So we'll have a uh, probably have a chinwag after that, get together after that. Yeah. Um, see yeah. if we can piece together any more, any more of the injury really jigsaw. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. And look ahead to Monday. So, so thanks again for watching and listening. Remember to like and subscribe and, and do get in touch if there's anything you want us to, to have a chat about. Yeah, have a good week, everyone.